Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Becknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, Sarasvati Productions is launching the 15th annual FemFest this Saturday, with theatrical productions, workshops, and more. Hope McIntyre, the artistic director of Sarasvati Productions, will return to the show to tell us more about what's in store for the week-long festival. Then, have you ever dined in the dark? CNIB's annual fundraising dinner is tonight, and there are only a few tickets left. We're going to be joined by Margot Ross of the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, and she'll tell us about all about the event and what to expect tonight. Then Manitoba Farms will be opening their doors to visitors this Sunday, and we'll speak to Wendy Bullock, the coordinator of Open Farm Day, to find out more. We'll also speak with Brittany Semenyuk, one of the co-organizers of Winnipeg's first VegFest, a celebration of vegan living that takes place this Saturday. And as always, Noah Ehrenberg of Community News Commons will join us in studio to tell us all about this week in Winnipeg through the lens of CNC. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. What do we got here? Veg Fest, we got Fem Fest, we've got Harvest Moon Fest. How many fests are going to be? Open Farm Day, this is happening. A lot of fests happening this weekend. Well, there were so many fests happening last weekend, too, so I feel like festival season is still kind of going on. Uh, maybe it's sort of an extension of summer a little bit. It's kind of the best part about Winnipeg in the summer. You know, you sit through winter, through the, what is it, 11 and a half months of winter, and then you get just a, a beautiful month of beautiful, wonderful festivals in the sunlight. Hopefully it doesn't rain on the festivals this weekend. That would kind of be a little bit rough. It's supposed to rain a little bit, I think, but I mean, bring a raincoat, bring an umbrella, you'll be fine. Yeah, it's uh, there's no shortage of things to do, so uh, we're happy to have the opportunity to highlight a few of them here exactly. on the show today. So let's get to it. I think up first, Hope McIntyre is on her way into the studio to tell us about FemFest. It's going to be a really cool thing. They've been doing it for 15 years. I had no idea. That's an incredible uh, accomplishment for them. Looking forward to learn a bit more about that. Uh, but before Hope gets into the studio, we always kick things off with a song. So what have you uh, got for us this week? Well... How about It's a Beautiful Morning? It's the Rascals right here on River City 360. It's a beautiful morning.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Hope McIntyre. She is the artistic director at Sarasvati Productions. Hope, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. So FemFest is starting off this Saturday. It's now the 15th year of the festival. Tell us a little bit about what it is and how it got started. Absolutely. Well, we're super excited that it's our 15th year. The festival really came out of the reality that uh, women playwrights were not getting as many productions in Canadian theatre as we would have liked. Um, at the time, 15 years ago, it was under 30%. And unfortunately, there's been years where it's gone up and down, but we're still at that number, which means that the festival's role continues to be important as a way to make sure that theatre is accessible for all artists and all audience members. So it's it's plays by women for everyone and we really try to showcase stories that wouldn't otherwise get to be heard. That's great and there's such a diverse lineup uh, as part of FemFest and the plays that are part of the festival are transformative or socially conscious. Can you tell me a little bit about a few of the ones that are a part of this year's festival? Is there a theme to the ones that are chosen? Absolutely. And I mean, everything in the festival meets with Sarasvati's mandate, which is to use theater for social change. So definitely we want life-changing theater and again, to give voice to those who might not otherwise get their voices on stage. And so this year, coming of age is our theme to celebrate our 15th year and the festival kind of coming of age, becoming a a teenager itself. Um, And so all the plays tackle issues of identity, of accepting one's own sense of self and and growing up in a way. So we're really excited to bring in Tomboy Survival Guide from Vancouver, for example. And this is the first time we're partnering with the West End Cultural Center and using that venue. Uh, So FanFest has kind of branched out to other spaces. And this is a concert experience, storytelling. It's written by Ivan Coyote, who's an LGBTQ activist and writer, and it's got a full band. So that's great for us. And we're also bringing back Judith Thompson, I would say one of my idols and by far one of Canada's most celebrated uh, female playwrights. So she'll be in town as a guest artist doing a bunch of activities. But to coincide with that, we brought in Watching Glory Die, a production of one of her plays done by a theatre company from the East Coast. So we're really bringing in artists from across the country, which is exciting. And then making sure we also showcase the local artists. So we're producing uh, the Winnipeg premiere of Two Indians by Fallon Johnson, and it's a fully local cast uh, and director, Sonia Ballantyne, which is very much part of our mandate, again, to provide those opportunities to artists. Sonia's a filmmaker, and this will be her directorial stage debut. And then lots of development activities like our Bake Off, where playwrights get a chance to write a piece with three ingredients and uh, get challenged in that way, readings of new works in progress, and our opening cabaret with 
comedians, filmmakers, dancers. So there's a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. And the Bake Off, as you highlighted, I wanted to talk a little bit about that more. It's kind of like, I got the sense from reading about it, it's kind of like Iron Chef meets the theater. Um, tell us a little bit more about how it works and what people might expect if they go on Monday. Well, I, it's one of my favorite events. I think the audience loves it too because they know the ingredients. Um, and this year we've got all the playwrights had to use a Q-tip a quote which was when one door closes another door opens and ripping up a piece of paper so they had yeah i know eight (laughs) hours to write a 10 minute piece that incorporated those three ingredients so it is it is a bit like iron chef they're like kind of under the pressure cooker to create something and so the audience loves to watch for those ingredients and how everyone uses them in different ways and at the end of the evening the audience actually votes for their favorite of those pieces and we then provide support to that playwright to develop the piece further for next year. So oh, fun. it's, yeah, it's a great way for us to involve the audience, but also to, again, support the development of new work. Often the playwrights say that, you know, they never would have written the piece they wrote had it not been for this bake-off, because when else would you challenge yourself with these strange <laughs> ingredients? Going along the thread of the bake-off, uh, FemFest also has programming that encourages emerging playwrights as well, like some of the workshops. Tell us a little bit about uh, not only this year, but maybe how some of the ones in the past have helped some of the local playwrights here. Definitely. Well, Judith Thompson's coming back this year. She actually was at FemFest in 2012 and did a master class for playwrights back then and so many of the writers uh, that we continued to work with after that talked about how that workshop really changed their perspective of writing and really helped them get to the next level so I think it's interesting as we track how our artists have developed over the years and and so many of the artists who return you know they might have started with us in a workshop like that or at the bake-off and then in another year we're, we're doing a production of their work so it's it's an interesting trajectory and Part of our goal is to support those emerging artists. So yeah, this year we do have Judith doing another master class. We also have a do-it-yourself kind of tech workshop. So many artists are producing their own work or doing the fringe, but they don't know how the technical side works. So we want to support that professional development in any way that we can. And next Thursday, the 21st, as well as the 22nd and 23rd, you were mentioning earlier a little bit about uh, some of the collaborations that FemFest is doing this year. And one of them is with the Winnipeg Public Library on a project called the Human Library. Tell us a little bit more about that. This is a really unique and and fabulous thing and grateful for the fact that the library in the past has done the human library. So it's not the first time in Winnipeg, but it's the first time for us to do this initiative and partner with the library. And uh, other festivals in Canada have done it. And it's been really cool to see because people literally check out a human book. So the the concept of going to the library and reading a book to learn something is applied to sitting down for a 30-minute conversation with a person so that you can learn something about an area that may be something that's been stereotyped or been a cause of discrimination in the past. So we've put together 24 human books that kind of cover the spectrum of issues such as racism, uh, ableism, and allows a person to have a conversation and see beyond that label. There's so much good that can come out of just sitting down and having a conversation and just getting to have a better understanding, putting yourself in someone else's shoes, basically. And that's really cool that that offers a way to do that. Absolutely. And I think 
it's so much about community building. Mm -hmm. And that's what we love to do is allow people to see someone else's perspective. And that conversation in other events has been life changing. Like it's really allowed people, if they're struggling with something to talk with someone else who's struggling with it, or if they've never ever had a conversation with someone from a different faith or a different cultural background, it's a great way to, to break the ice. Excellent. So there are a lot of events going on as part of FemFest this year, all kinds of things to check out, uh, starting this Saturday and uh, winding up next Saturday, the 23rd. So all week long, you can visit the Sarasvati website at sarasvati.ca forward slash FemFest to get more information. Where else can people go to get more information or to purchase tickets to anything? Yeah, well, we've got a very active presence on social media. So you can check out Sarah's Body Productions on Facebook uh, and Twitter and our uh, office number, 204-586-2236. You can give us a call. And we'd happily book tickets and give everyone the information there. So we're really excited to have people out this year. Excellent. Well, Hope, thank you so much again for joining me today and uh, all the best with FemFest this year. Thank you. Thanks, Robert, and thanks again to Hope McIntyre for stopping in to talk to us about FemFest. Coming up after the break, we're going to be joined in studio by Margot Ross. She's the manager of Major Gifts at the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, a.k.a. the CNIB. We're going to learn all about their Dining in the Dark event that's actually happening tonight. But before she gets into the studio, how about I Know a Place with Petula Clark right here on RC360. shop and the store put the lock on the door just get away where your worries won't find you if you like well i'll tell you more don't let the day get the better of you when the evening comes there's so much to do you better put on your best and wear a smile just come along with me a while cause i tell you Soon I'm sure you'll be tapping your feet Because the beat is the greatest there All around there are girls and boys It's a swinging place A cellar full of noise It's got an atmosphere of its own somehow You gotta come along right now Cause I tell you
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today. We're now joined in studio by Margot Ross. She's the manager of Major Gifts at CNIB. Margot, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. So we wanted to have you on the show today because there's a very cool, very special event happening tonight, which is the Dine in the Dark event. It's an annual event where people get to literally have supper uh, without the use of their vision. Uh, we'll talk about that event uh, a little bit later on, but first maybe just talk a little bit about CNIB, what what the, what the some of the uh, programs and things that, that you do to help Winnipeggers who are suffering from vision loss here in, in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Thank you, Nolan. I'm delighted to. We are at CNIB just celebrating our 100th birthday. Wow. We started in uh, 1917 after the Halifax explosion. As well, after the, second, after the First World War, there were a lot of blind veterans that came back, and there were no services for them. There were lots of folks who were blinded in the Halifax explosion, and there weren't services. So a couple of gentlemen got together and decided to create the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. So we've been in business for 100 years, and I'd like to say that we are going out of business, but that's not the case. There's... Um, over 30,000 Manitobans who identify as being legally blind. Wow. And we also know that as the population ages, there's more and more folks who are faced with the challenges of vision loss. For sure. So CNIB provides all kinds of great programs. You're referred to CNIB by your family doctor or ophthalmologist. And some of it is straight, straight ahead counseling. What is it like to mm -hmm. all of a sudden not be able to drive your car, be able to see across the aisle, those types of mm -hmm. things. Um, there's also counseling for your spouse or partner and family. Right. There's counseling to learn how to use the microwave again and find your way around the kitchen mm -hmm. and do all of those household things that we are accustomed to doing, but when you lose your vision, you can't anymore. Right. So sounds like very useful and important work, obviously. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the guide dog program. Now, I learned recently that you're not supposed to say seeing eye dog anymore. That was kind of when I grew up, oh, there's a seeing eye dog, but now it's guide dog. So it's guide tell dog. me about the new guide dog program that's going to be rolling out uh, at CNIB. Well, we're very excited. Um, Winnipeg is one of three pilot cities in Canada cool. that is starting up its guide dog training program. Before that, folks who were blind had to go to the U.S. or other provinces in order to get a guide dog. Now we're going to raise those puppies to be guide dogs right here in Manitoba. Cool. And for those who want a guide dog, they the individual has to be very good with a cane first. It's not just anybody who mm -hmm. is blind who can use a guide dog. You have to have good mobility training first. Okay. Are the dogs trained with the canes to work along with as another kind of tool to help to help the blind? That, that's exactly it. The okay. way it works now is the, the puppies will start arriving in Winnipeg in the next few weeks. They will be um, taken in by a puppy training family volunteers of CNIB who are going to raise those puppies to the age of 12 to 18 months. They're going to teach them basic obedience, socialization, going on buses, all of the types of things to get the puppy ready for true training. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity for the program to see whether the dog has it in him or mm -hmm. her to be a guide dog. Is it only for certain breeds of dogs? I know we're getting a little deep here, but I would imagine not every kind of dog would be able to handle that kind of a stressful environment sometimes. You're exactly mm. right. For the most part, they're yellow 
mm-hmm. labs. labs. Yeah. They're yellow labs. And not all guide dog puppies graduate from right. the program. Some of them just aren't cut out for this work. So they end up often being therapy dogs for mm-hmm. other challenges, such as folks with autism. They sometimes go into hospitals and nursing homes to be loving pets, but certainly not all dogs graduate from the program. It's very rigorous. Especially because it's life or death situation. Like, you know, sometimes it's very dangerous potentially for the person with seeing issue or with blindness. Exactly. So is the uh, the Dine in the Dark to raise money for this new program? Or let's talk a little bit about the Dine in the Dark. It's happening tonight. Uh, tell us a little bit about this program, or about the dinner, and what people can expect. Well, it, it's a great evening. Um, we, we start off with, with a reception, and at that reception we have one of our amazing clients who is a brilliant pianist who will welcome folks with beautiful music, oh, nice. musical stylings. We're going to have our trio bike there, which is a bike that is piloted by a sighted person but allows one or two folks who do not have vision to go for a bike ride and feel the wind in their hair. And for many of them, they've either not ever been able to do that or since they've lost their sight, they, they right. can't. Um, and then we'll have Ulysses. And Ulysses is our guide dog puppy and Ulysses will be there with his handler and going around the room and meeting all kinds of folks. Marcy Marcusa from CBC Radio is is hosting it along with our dining coach Tracy Garbett. Tracy works at CNIB. He's a Boston marathoner. He's a specialist in independent living skills and he's going to with a lot of laughter ask people to put on their blindfolds to have dinner in the dark. Have you ever dined in the dark before? I have not. Yeah. I'm very excited to be doing this. I did it in Montreal a few years ago in a true, um, completely pitch black room. And actually all of the service staff were um, either legally blind or or s- sort of on the spectrum of not being able to see. So it was really interesting having, it's kind of like you go into their world, right? Like you get to experience what it's like and the little things that you take for granted, like using a knife and fork and grabbing for your glass or, or your drink and being able to drink it and just having a conversation with someone. It's very, it's a, it's a whole new world. So I think people are going to really enjoy that. Are you going to be uh, dining tonight as well with everyone? Oh, very much so. I wouldn't miss it. I'm bringing my family and uh, we will dine in the dark. Awesome. Do you know what the menu is going to be or anything? Well, I had asked if there was going to be super spaghetti oh, on goodness. it. Oh, goodness, yeah. And they no. said, no, no, we don't need to overdo it. So do they do, <laughs> do, they do sort of friendly food? Like it, that's going to be easy to eat and not too sloppy and messy? It is. Yeah. Although I'm, I'm suggesting you may not want to wear your very, very best outfit. Yeah, exactly. But Tracy will do an excellent job of explaining where all the food is on the plate. giving like you what hips. quadrants kind of exactly, of the plate? Exactly, yeah, which yeah. quadrants or even by the hour of a clock. Um, he will also explain how to pick up a water glass and a wine glass without tipping it over, yeah. which usually means fingers moving from the table, oh, not yeah, up in the yeah, air. Yeah. Um, how to grab, how to pick up your fork and hopefully not your neighbor's fork. Right. But we're bound to see a lot of that, and we think there's going to be a lot of laughs. I would imagine so, definitely. Well, so are there still tickets available? Where can people find out more information about uh, tonight's event? There are just a few tickets available, and if you're interested, please give CNIB a call. Our number is 204-774-5421. Perfect. So 204-774-5421 for tonight's Dine in the Dark event, or you can visit cnib.ca. 
Margot, thank you so much for talking to us today. Margot Ross is the manager of Major Gifts at CNIB. Thank you so much for talking to us, telling us all about the uh, Guide Dog Program and about tonight's event, Dine in the Dark. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, the coordinator of Open Farm Day, Wendy Bullock, will join us via telephone to tell us more about Open Farm Day this Sunday. Farms across the province will be opening their doors to visitors, and even if you can't make it out to one of the farms, there's also a walking tour that takes place here in Winnipeg that we'll tell you a little bit more about after our next song. And seeing as how we're going to be talking about Open Farm Day, here is Murray McLaughlin with The Farmer's Song, right here on River City 360. Dusty old farmer out working your field Hanging down over your tractor wheel The sun beating down turned the red paint to orange And rusty old patches of steel There's no farmer songs on that car radio Just cowboys, truck drivers and pain Well, this is my way to say thanks for the meal And I hope there's no shortage of rain Straw hat and old dirty hankies Mopping a face like a shoe Thanks for the meal, here's a song that is real From a kid from the city to you Straw hat and old dirty hankies Mopping the face like a shoe Thanks for the meal, here's a song that is real From a kid from the city to you The combines gang up and take most of the bread Things just ain't like they used to be Though your kids are out after the American dream And they're working in big factories If I come by when you're out in the sun Can I wave at you just like a friend? These days when everyone's taking so much There's somebody giving back in Mopping the face like a shoe Thanks for the meal, here's a song that is real From a kid from the city to you Straw hat and old dirty hankies Mopping the face like a shoe Thanks for the meal, here's a song that is real From a kid from the city to you Thank you for listening to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Wendy Bullock. She is the coordinator of Open Farm Day, which is taking place this Sunday, September 17th, all throughout Manitoba. 
Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, well, thank you for having us and uh, wanting to know more about Open Farm Day. We're really uh, pleased to uh, be able to share information about the day and hopefully encourage some more people to go out and take part. Absolutely. So Open Farm Day gives people a chance to visit farms across our province. Give us a little bit of background on how the event got started. Well, Open Farm Day started actually in about 2010, and it was started through the Department of Agriculture with the province of Manitoba, uh, with a number of Manitoba Agriculture staff coordinating it. And then in 2015, uh, the Manitoba Association of Agricultural Societies, or MASS as their acronym is, was approached by the department to take it over and, and take over the responsibility of delivering the program. So the program actually, Open Farm Day, exists in a number of provinces across Canada. Um, some, some of them are held on the same day as Manitoba hosts theirs, which is this coming Sunday, September 17th, and some are held at different times of the year. But um, it, is in, it is in other provinces across Canada. Why is Open Farm Day important, not only for the people who visit the sites, but also for the farmers who host it? Well, I'm, my background is strong in agriculture, but it's also strong in education. So I'm a firm believer that the more opportunities we have to come out and speak with people, uh, especially whether it's farmers, and we have a number of farmers at during Open Farm Day, but we also have a number of host sites, which could be an agritourism uh, venue, it could be a research site, um, we have uh, conservancy programs that work with producers. So to me it's an opportunity to learn more and to understand better about how the agricultural industry works in our province, how farmers view working in the industry and how um, our food is grown and what happens. And, and Manitoba is a large, vast industry with agriculture. So. Although we have a lot of um, products from the grassroots level, which, you know, grain products, etc., we also have a value-added industry, and we have um, a research industry, and just all different facets to um, agriculture. So it's an opportunity for people to come and learn and ask questions and uh, maybe go home with a better, broader understanding, broaden their horizons of knowledge on the ag industry. And uh, when they hear a comment about agriculture, they kind of go, oh yeah, I saw that. I, I was able to learn and, and from that opportunity. So we're really hoping that people will take that time. Um, most of the sites are free. There are not fees. Some do have fees, depending on which one you go to. And if you check that out on our webpage, they'll be able to know that prior to going. And it's not exclusively farms either. Some of the agricultural museums, I understand, will be opening their doors as well. Yes, there are some ag museums, and there's actually something happening right downtown in Winnipeg that I'll come to afterwards. But there are a number of museums across the province. One of the ones is the historic site at Inglis of the elevators, the five elevators. So that's a new opportunity for people to see and learn about the whole grain industry and how that happened and how it's transpired and how it's changed. From there, there's uh, the museum at, um, at St. Claude. There is the Manitoba Dairy Museum, which is really interesting about how the whole dairy industry started in Manitoba. And another museum that's um, kind of near and dear to my heart is the Roland 4-H Museum. And 4-H began in Manitoba in 1913. And uh, it was started to help uh, families, farm families, learn more about agriculture, both outside of the home, uh, on the land, and inside the home. 
and four H was very strong. So there's a wonderful um, museum in Roland that people can take part in. In addition, there is the um, Pemina Thrasherman's Museum at um, Winkler. There's the Prairie View Elevator Museum at Plum Coulee, and I knew I was going to miss one, but the one I wanted to highlight as well is the uh, Manitoba Agricultural Museum at Austin. So those are oh, those are some of the museums we have that are um, available for people to go and, and learn more from, and maybe they can go to that one, spend an hour, and then plan a couple other stops along their way. And as you mentioned earlier, I wanted to talk about the tour that's happening here in the city. So if any of our listeners can't get out to the rural sites, but they're interested in learning more about the importance of agriculture to Winnipeg, there's also a walking tour that's happening in the Exchange District on uh, William at Main that's taking place at 1 and 3 p.m. on Sunday. And the tour is being hosted by the Keystone Agriculture Producers. Um, and the Keystone Agriculture Producers is a strong organization in the province promoting agriculture for the industry. And uh, one of the staff is, has agreed to work on Sunday and give provide those tours. So the tours are all about the big role that agriculture played in Winnipeg in the, in the development of Winnipeg. And you'll be able to see the old and new sites, uh, the different buildings and, and what industries were there and how that helped to build Winnipeg because um, agriculture played an important role in in the development of our uh, the city of Winnipeg, the development of our capital. So people can go, and as you said, there's tours at 1 and 3. Um, they can go online and find out more about that. And you do meet at uh, City Hall, and they'll depart from City Hall and we just want to remind everyone that when they go out to, whether they're going outside of the city or they're going to go for a walking tour, make sure you wear comfortable shoes. And we ask people if they're going beyond the city out to, uh, whether it's farms or a host site um, or another venue, that, you, again, you wear comfortable shoes. Uh, don't wear a lot of loose clothing. Please um, follow. If people tell you not to go into a certain area, they're doing it not to be mean or not wanting to tell you something, but they maybe it's because of safety issues. And so we want to make sure that everyone has a safe, enjoyable time on Open Farm Day. And if people want to take a road trip on Sunday and check out some of the farms, where can they get a full map and read more about the participants? So they can go online to our um, uh, webpage, which is openfarmday.ca, and they can click on in the upper toolbar on host sites. There's a map that shows you the whole of the province, and then we have it broken down into regions. So there's the north region, the west, the central, and you can pull up or click on there, and it'll explain to you what sites are there. Uh, if you scroll down through, it shows you the map first, scrolls down through into the next pages, it lists the sites within that particular region. And most sites will tell you what time they're open, or they all do tell you, and what's happening what are the activities and the directions to get to uh, the site. Some have GPS listings, but we want to remind people that sometimes when you get out in rural Manitoba, it's kind of hard to have internet access. So we encourage you to jot down the uh, directions. There are brochures, I believe, still available at the libraries in Winnipeg and out in rural Manitoba as well. So the provincial libraries and the Winnipeg libraries have copies of brochures as well as some of the Manitoba Ag offices in around the province and various farmers markets, etc. have uh, copies. Great. So as Wendy mentioned, you can get more information at openfarmday.ca. Thank you again to Wendy Bullock, the coordinator of Open Farm Day, for joining me on River City 360 today. Thanks, Robert. Coming up after the break, 
on River City 360. If you've ever been curious about vegan living or if you already live a vegan lifestyle and want to celebrate with others who do, then you should check out Winnipeg Veg Fest this Saturday. We're going to be joined by one of the co-organizers, Brittany Semenyuk, right after the break. But first, how about a little white gardenia? Ray Noble and his orchestra right here on RC360. As refreshing as a day in May You may wear it if you care Or toss it away If you look into this white gardenia There's a message there I dare not say That I'll let this little white gardenia Come back. Who knows, tomorrow we may be together or so far apart. Take this token of my love, cherish it and keep it close to your heart. If our paths should ever cross again, dear, Accidentally or by fate designed If you wear a little white gardenia I'll know you are mine Thank you for listening to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined by Brittany Semenyuk. She is one of the coordinators of Winnipeg Veg Fest, which is taking place this Saturday. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So VegFest is being held for the very first time this Saturday. Tell us a little bit about how it got started. Winnipeg VegFest kind of got started through the Winnipeg Humane Society's Farm Animal Compassion Committee, and that's where a few like-minded community members got together and realized that Winnipeg was the only city in Canada, major city, that doesn't really have a festival like this. Places like Toronto and Vancouver, they've all had VegFest for years, so we thought it's about due time that we get one started, and so we just started planning and getting the ball rolling, and... Here we are. Winnipeg's first Veg Fest is happening this Saturday. Very cool. And there's a pretty diverse group of speakers that are lined up throughout the day. Who are some of the speakers and what are some of the topics that they'll be covering? Absolutely. So we're very, very lucky to have such a diverse range of speakers. We have six keynote speakers that are going to be presenting at the festival. We have Leilani Munter, who is a race car driver and an environmental activist. She was in the film Racing Extinction. We also have Camille Labchuk, who is a leading animal rights lawyer with Animal Justice Canada. We have Mimi Kirk, who's a raw food chef. She was also voted the sexiest vegetarian over 50. She's turning 79 years old this year. And we have Carol Adams. She's a renowned feminist author and an animal advocate. We also have Krista Hidema, who's the managing director of Mercy for Animals Canada. And we also have Dave Nickards, who is a local here in Winnipeg, and he's the vice president of the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society of Canada. So we really wanted to cover all the different aspects of living a compassionate, cruelty-free lifestyle. It's not just about the animals. It's also about the environment and about your own health. And we also have a panel discussion with a local MD as well as a nutritionist to just, just to discuss the you know, health benefits of pursuing a compassionate, cruelty-free lifestyle. So we wanted to 
touch base on all the different reasons as to why someone might pursue a plant-based lifestyle. What are some of the reasons that people decide that they want to live a vegan lifestyle? We really wanted to cover all bases as to why someone might be pursuing a plant-based lifestyle. And we wanted to adequately represent that at VegFest because someone may be going and pursuing that lifestyle for their own health. There's a lot of research out there that shows that reducing your meat consumption and your dairy and egg consumption will actually also mitigate a lot of diseases such as, you know, cardiovascular disease and certain things like that. So it is a very healthy lifestyle. It's not a diet per se. It's just a different way of eating and living and basically just living with the concept that you're not causing any harm. You're not causing harm to your own body. You're not causing harm to the planet and you're not causing harm to any animals that are exploited and suffer along the way. So everyone's reasons are different, but We really just promote this lifestyle because it is the least harmful in this day and age for so many different reasons. And there are some other events that are taking place throughout the day as part of VegFest. Tell us a little bit more about those. So we are definitely going to have a few different contests. We also have certain events like uh, a kids area, an art gallery, different vendors and exhibitors, including a lot of food vendors and restaurants throughout the city, like Stella's Restaurant. But one of the events that I'm personally most excited for is our vegan mac and cheese contest, where we're having six amateur chefs create their own unique twist on mac and cheese by making a vegan mac and cheese version. And we're going to allow the public to taste and vote to which dish gets to take home first prize. And it's a great way just to come down and have fun the entire day is free. It's a free event all day to come and just join in the fun and see what you can learn and what different things there are to offer. Excellent. And where can people go to get more information about the lineup of events or the speakers or about VegFest in general? So to learn more about VegFest and to see the schedule of events for the day, we do have a website. It's www.winnipegvegfest.ca. Perfect. Brittany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Brittany Semenyuk is one of the co-organizers of VegFest, which is happening this Saturday, September 16th. It's at the University of Winnipeg's Axworthy Health and RecPlex. Doors open at 9 a.m. with activities taking place all throughout the day. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, Noah Ehrenberg is on his way into the studio. Every week, uh, there are some great stories that are being published on CNC Community News Commons, and he'll join us in studio to tell us about his favorites uh, from this past week. Uh, but first, here's Perry Como with A Garden in the Rain, right here on RC360. It was just a garden in the rain Close to a little leafy lane, a touch of color neath skies of gray. The rain drops kiss the flower beds, the blossoms raise their thirsty heads. A perfume thank you they seem to say Surely here was charm beyond compare to view Maybe it was just that I was there 
in the rain But then the sun came out again And sent us happily on our way Surely here was charm beyond compare to view But maybe it was just that you Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and we're now joined in studio, as we are almost every week, by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thank you for joining us today. It's always great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So we have you on the show to talk about Winnipeg, but it's not just sort of what the mainstream media is reporting. We get the we get the side of Winnipeg that citizen journalists are reporting, and citizen journalists can be anyone who signs up on Community News Commons commons.org to tell the stories of their community. So what are some of the stories that are being published on CNC this week? Well, one of my favorite uh, stories this week came from Melanie Ferris, who has been uh, writing a few stories for CNC uh, lately. And uh, Melanie wrote a story called Power of Social Media Helps Forest Fire Evacuees. And Mm -hmm. Melanie herself is a is quite a uh, social, uh, is quite active on social media, and um, she tells a story about how um, when she was listening to the radio just a few weeks back, and uh, she heard an interview with a woman named Trish Morisot talking about some of the forest fire evacuees mm-hmm. from North, uh, northern Manitoba that needed some assistance in terms of different products that they needed, and and um, and so uh, Melanie contacted Trish Morisot and. And she found out that Trish was basically contacting people one at a time uh, on online. And um, and Melanie came up with the idea, hey, why don't we just start a Facebook page and uh, we can try and attract volunteers and uh, do, you know, a place for donations to be, um, you know, be given to the evacuees. And so that's what she did that very same day. And uh, the page uh, turned out to be hugely successful, and it still is. It's, um, you know, uh, as Melanie writes in her story, that tragedies are compelling, and she knew people wanted to help, but uh, she was really impressed at how quickly things came together once the Facebook group uh, that's called Helping Manitoba Forest Fire Evacuees in Winnipeg and Brandon, once that group was created, uh, it quickly grew uh, to more than 2,000 members in less than two weeks. And, um, you know, if people are interested in... in, um, in donating their uh, items or in um, or in volunteering, they can certainly go to that Facebook page. And um, it's really it's a very interesting story of the power of social media and how people can use it in ways that can really highlight the generosity of our community. And it's a it's a really inspiring story. Uh, she, it's a very detailed story in terms of some of the different uh, some of the different positive things that were created. Uh, in terms of you know formula for babies, uh, different, oh, yeah. um, you, you know basically a, 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 she has a sort of a laundry list of of items and uh, services that were provided by 
uh, volunteers for the evacuees um, who were unfortunately had to be here in, in Winnipeg because they were forced out right. of their homes. So, and then, of course, writing about it on communitynewscommons.org. Spe- Terrific story. It speaks to the power of social media. A lot of times we hear the criticisms and the and the sort of the negative aspects of it. But, uh, yeah, it speaks to the grassroots ability of people to kind of get together and do good work. Yeah, and that's really the uh, the power of that of social media and the power for it to be good for our community. Very true. So what else is uh, being reported on uh, communitynewscommons.org? Well, Donna Marion came out with a story that was about creativity flourishes beyond the perimeters, the name of it, and essentially she looked at uh, how the arts and culture are alive and well in rural Manitoba. And mm. she was visiting Lac de Bonny Community Centre not too long ago, earlier in August, and uh, she had the opportunity to uh, see an original musical written by a local person named Sheldon Sveinson, and it was based on the history of that area of, of Lac de Bonny. Mm. It's called The Saga of J.D. MacArthur and the Winnipeg River Princess. And it was performed four times uh, on a weekend in August, and each time the audiences were just blown away. So surprised, so impressed. It was a terrific play. So Donna writes about that. And then also that same weekend, she she uh, notes that there was a particular artist tour, uh, similar to what the Interlake has with the Wave tour. Yeah, we interviewed the people from the Wave uh, tours. Yeah, and this one is the first time it was held. It was led by Lactabani artist Janice Ch- uh, charcoal and um, it was featuring artists on the east side of the lake. The name of it was the Boreal Shores Arts Tour and mm. um, it featured 34 artists in a variety of locations from West Hawk Lake in the east to Grand Marais to the north and many many points in between. Very successful first year out and uh, they're certainly going to be doing it again next year. I believe it's August 19th and 20th so mark those on your calendar for 2018 um, and really it was a nice little story about uh, how the arts community outside the perimeter mm-hmm. is just as vibrant and just as successful as that within the city of Winnipeg. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of really talented people in Winnipeg specifically, but you don't you know you don't hear often about rural Manitoba and, and the talented artists that obviously exist out there as well too. So it's good that we're shining a light on that. Yeah, and uh, and that uh, leads to our next story, which was really um, it's actually the first story that writer Leslie Malkin has written, and uh, it's called "Bridging Communities Through Music, Agriculture, and Learning," and it's all about the Harvest Moon Festival, oh, which yeah. is happening this weekend. Uh, it's in tiny little Clearwater, Manitoba, in southwestern Manitoba. Beautiful spot to have a festival. They're in their 16th year, and it's just an amazing little festival, as Leslie writes, uh, that really brings together rural and urban folk uh, to this tiny little town that it's less than 100 people it grows uh tenfold mm-hmm. 15 20 timefold uh for the weekend they the basically they open up the town to lots and lots of people uh there's many different music stages music featured from the local area as well as from winnipeg and other parts of manitoba it also features a farmer's market as well as a number of workshops on some fascinating subjects that uh, you just never know what you're going to get when mm-hmm. you go to harvest moon festival uh the the weather can be a little chilly sometimes yeah. at this time of year mid to end september i guess eh? except last september for harvest moon it was just beautiful. It was similar to what we've had the last few days here in Winnipeg. Uh, there is a call for maybe a little bit of uh, rain and uh, some cooler weather. The festival sells out every year so unfortunately you can't uh, go down there for ticket. Uh, you can't go down there and buy a ticket um, but you could go down there if you wanted to go to the market because it's held outside of the festival gates. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, little uh, stages at uh, local restaurants where there's uh, music. There's a main stage. 
it really is one of those festivals. It's a little gem that is very, very popular. And uh, Leslie Malkin, uh, congratulate her on writing her first story for CNC on this uh, beautiful festival. You can check her work out at communitynewscommons.org. Uh, once again, the name of that article is Build Bridging Communities Through Music, Agriculture, and Learning. Harvest Moon Festival this weekend. Mm -hmm. So for anyone headed out there, have fun. Make sure you pack a raincoat just in case. Yes. And uh, yeah, you got to, <laughs> I mean, that's classic Manitoba, right? You got to pack layers upon layers no matter matter what time of year it is. <laughs> yeah. My dad always said, uh, if you don't like the weather here, just wait five minutes. That's for sure. So now at the end of our time together, I've asked you to bring us a song that maybe our listeners haven't heard before. And uh, typically it's a local band, but not always. So what have you got for us this week? Well, this is a local band, cool. and this is probably a band that our listeners have never heard. And Excellent. Uh, I, I like to uh, feature this band because they're under the radar. They've been together now for a number of years. Uh, they will be actually at Harvest Moon Festival this weekend. The name of the band is Woodshed Havoc, and they have a, a fairly uh, rock and roll sound. Uh, I, I like their lyrics on many of their tunes. They're a fun-loving band, so they're an awesome band to see. And this um, little tune that I'm going to feature from Woodshed Havoc is kind of a precursor to what we might see in a few months. It's called Snow Boot kind of thing. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's all about snow boots because we know that that's coming soon. Mm -hmm. And you might need some snow boots at Harvest Moon Festival. Oh, don't don't put that <laughs> evil on them. Not yet. Not yet. So here I'd like to feature Woodshed Havoc with Snow Boot kind of thing. You're listening to Nolan Bicknell and Robert Zirk on 93.7 CJNU. I didn't mean to tempt you I didn't mean to change your mind But the times are changing And you're far behind Now I'm looking forward Beyond the trees I see the leaves are falling Cracking in the breeze Escaping as the darkness stays, weathered by the time, coincidence is mine. When I've sits a track, seems to hold me back. On the coldest winter's day, your heat's so
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360s. Thank you so much for listening to us today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us on the show. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we love hearing your feedback about the show, so give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about the show, request a song, or suggest a topic for a future show. Our listener line is open 24-7, so feel free to leave us a message anytime. That's 204-944-9474, extension 360. Now, if for some reason you don't have a phone, but you do have Twitter or Facebook... Hit us up on there at River City 360 on Twitter or search River City 360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. <laughs>